tonight, Constance McAvalcade welcomes back Kitty Rife from the AV Club to deliver tricks and treats as Christopher George and Linda Day George investigate a chainsaw-wielding killer in 1982's Pieces. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 117. This is Brandon. And as always with me is your bastard! Bastard! <laughs> bastard! Co-hoster, Colin. I watched this thing top to bottom. I didn't see one Reese's Pieces in it. This movie's bullshit. <laughs> Today we're here to discuss the 1982 film, Pieces. Colin. Tell them why it's exactly what they think it is. The co-eds of a Boston College campus, sure, are targeted by a mysterious killer who is creating a human jigsaw puzzle from their body parts. Pieces is directed by Juan Piquet Simon and stars Christopher George, Linda Day George, Ian Sarah, Jack Taylor, Gerard Tichy, Paul L. Smith, and Hilda Fux. It's probably Fuchs, but... I think Kill the Fuck sounds funny. So welcome back <laughs> to Cult Cinema Cavalcade for our de facto Halloween episode. And uh, we are extremely excited to bring back a familiar face slash well, voice to the show to discuss this classic slasher from the AV Club. It's Katie Rife. Hi. I crack up every time they say Boston in this movie because... <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not possible. <laughs> I, I I don't think it was until like the end of the movie when they said like uh oh, New England like what yeah what <laughs> yeah yeah was, for sure. At one point, it's like a picture of Reagan in the background, and I thought, wait a minute, is this in America? Yeah, it does say in the credits filmed in like Spain and Boston, Massachusetts, but I don't know, Where? man. I'm- Boston was just coverage. Yeah, exactly. that's all it was. Uh, I don't yeah, believe they. Like I don't believe they even played an album of Boston during the making of this movie, much less go to Boston. It's exactly what you think it is, and it's phony. Like everything from playing tennis to being in Boston. <laughs> that that was the like, Boston it, part on the tennis court. Yeah, Katie, how have you been? I'm good, man. Uh, yeah. You, you came back. <laughs> yeah. You're not afraid of us. That's great. <laughs> I hope it wasn't against my better judgment, but I love love the movie pieces very much. And so I was very excited to come on and talk about it. And I was thinking about it the other time I was almost for Robo Vampire. And and those two, these two movies, like this one's definitely better than Robo Vampire, but they do both have that accidental, unintentional surrealism to them that I I love it. Yes, and I you're a perfect choice for this. I was happy to have you back. I was like, just need to have you back soon, and this was a perfect, perfect opportunity. Because yeah. I mean, I think you'd be pretty much down for anything we do here. And <laughs> oh yeah, totally. This one's a lot easier to sit through, though. So thank you, pieces. I was gonna yeah. say, you know, Robo Vampire and pieces. I think we're going pretty easy on you. I don't know. We might have to. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, if you if you enjoyed watching the movie, then we made this was the wrong choice. <laughs> One time I did a podcast and we talked about the movie Martyrs, and the whole time I was just like, "Well, I mean, enjoys the wrong word, but I do enjoy this movie." <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a tough one. Yeah. Like, like uh, you never like after I watched Martyrs the first time, it was effective, but I never was like, man, I want to sit down and watch Martyrs again. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and discussing it for about forty five minutes is a lot of like. Now, just to be clear, I don't support all this guy's thing. But my favorite part when someone came in the room and abused her was exactly. Yeah. exactly. yeah. <laughs> anyway, but pieces, uh, pieces is a lot more fun, even though you know. It is not to be a bummer, but it is pretty misogynistic. No. What? Oh, no sure. Oh gosh. Yeah, well no, it is total like that's almost the the dated, well, dated, but just the extreme like it's almost a selling point if totally. you can laugh at how awful that yeah. is and just be like oh my gosh that's one of the selling points of the movie there's no like background of like this script floated around for you it was just like hey oh. these slasher things they make of the money <laughs> <laughs> let's make one because this was made by the mario brothers right that's my understanding <laughs> yes <laughs> the um, came across the disc and they said mamma mia let's make a movie Speaking of the Mario Brothers, before I get too far into pieces, I just want to make a quick show announcement. Cullen and I, see, Mario Brothers, I don't know how that yeah. Cullen has a Luigi hat, <laughs> that counts, right? Totally. Yeah. Sure. Cullen and I will be appearing at Starbase Indie uh, Convention that's happening. We're doing a, a live show. People love to come out for our live shows in flocks and droves and whiffs of air i guess but we'll be doing a show on the saturday uh after thanksgiving a great time for to get away from your family activities and shopping and come see us at is it a free convention colin i don't i don't don't, uh, it's a fan run convention i do not believe it was free we can give you more details on that it's it's fan run so it's not going to be terribly inexpensive or it's not going to be terribly expensive We'll be discussing something to be named later. We will be picking something more in the vein of our last live show, which was How Does It Feel When I'm Really In Love? That had Jason and Justin Bateman and the creepy Ted Danson. But we'll be trying to fit it in with the conventions theme. We will be appearing there. We'll have more details as we keep getting closer. But um, stop on by if you're in the area. Should be a fun time. Or else. Yeah. And now on to pieces. I don't have much back. Katie, do you have any background uh, knowledge on the early? No, and I've never looked into it because, like, this movie is so seems just like beam down from space that I don't really yeah. want to know. <laughs> well, right. The, the the few things I do know are uh, like the director is the same director as uh, Pod People, and that's why the curly haired what was it Kendall? It's the same guy from Pod yeah. People as well. Which okay, like the first time I saw this movie, I was like, "What? What is idiot control now, guy doing in this movie? That is ridiculous." <laughs> he knows somebody. <laughs> he does. There are multiple people from uh, Pod People in this movie. The Leslie Nielsen looking guy, he's from Pod People. Mm-hmm. There's like a voiceover of someone, like one of the women 
because uh, spoilers, they don't use most of the real voices in this movie. So one of those voiceover women <laughs> is from the pod people as well. Yeah. Does, and it, it's, to me, speaking of voiceover people, like Christopher George, does he just, every time I see him, like he feels like the shot in an un- another country, dubbed over later, meant to be sold for American audiences, superstar. Like he, he seems like, like, I feel like I've seen so many movies with him doing that. Like he's in City of the Living Dead. He's in Enter the Ninja. Like all these meant for American markets, but shot somewhere else, dubbed later. Was he one of the, the cops? Yeah. He was the main cop. He was the detective. Yeah, that looks like Clint Eastwood, but with a Roger Moore haircut. Yeah, I think you could. Yeah, the main cop. Um, he uh, and then his wife is Linda Day George, the uh, undercover tennis pro. Um, <laughs> movies together. Does Does anybody know about the gore in this movie? There's a lot of it. I am aware of that. Do you, Do you, okay. Do you know about it, Katie? No. I mean, it's really interesting because it's so goofy. Like, it's really goofy at times, and at other times it is honestly kind of fucked up. So, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going to pull the curtain back for you. you. Tell. Three people were they murdered went... to make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there was an accident, and they left it on. No. The, uh, they went to a slaughterhouse and purchased blood oh. buckets and buckets of blood from it and dead um, hogs. Did they use that? They must use that in the locker room scene that because yes, that's what I thought too. really kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's real flesh getting cut. They didn't kill any animals for this, but they purchased dead okay. for it. Yeah. Um, what do they uh, have to say about that? I, they probably would not certify the movie pieces. Yeah, well, it was shot in Spain, so fair, but you know. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's a weird. I'm like, oh, okay, and I mean, this is one of the like, I know the gore looks really good in this movie, and a lot of the times it's one of the fun gory movies. Yeah. But I think it really varies on different parts of the movie, and I think right. like it starts off a little more temper paint, but as it goes on, mm-hmm. you really see the slaughterhouse uh, aspect of oh. it. More, I think. Yeah, yeah, the, de- the the opening is definitely close to, like, Italian gore, and then it gets a bit more rough and brutal, yeah. the campus stuff. And it's such a weird match with the tone of it, because the dialogue is so silly, and, like, honestly, the crimes themselves are so, the puzzle piece thing, it is the goofiest mm-hmm. origin of any serial killer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think of a goofier one like it's goofier than a batman villain i think right yeah yeah and he even had one like the put called the puzzle <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he did what was that oh i don't know i don't think he's i think it was one of the six yeah villains, I was gonna say, he's uh, the, the tv show he's like not it. an active nemesis on the roster he, he's gonna... condiment condiment man has been yeah right recently uh, than he has yeah case Affleck like isn't gonna play him in the new movie next week next year yeah. <laughs> Next week. <I> <laughs> that opening, nineteen Boston, nineteen forty-two is the title card. Yeah, let's says, talk about uh, got, yeah. yeah, this guy puts together a nudie let's... puzzle, which that that puzzle itself is iconic in cult communities. Like I, so I bought this when it came on Blu-ray. I bought the limited edition set that came with the puzzle. I did too. And uh, yeah. yeah, and there was. Like, some sort of kerfuffle that some people didn't get it with the puzzle, that ordered the puzzle, and there was, like, people get pissed 
over this puzzle, and it was almost damn hilarious. I'm like, this is pieces we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but like, if you didn't get the puzzle, you'd be disappointed. Right. <laughs> true, true. They came with a puzzle, the soundtrack. It's it just awesome release. And then someone actually, I think like two years ago, did like a Kickstarter or something and actually made a puzzle side, like a real big puzzle version of the puzzle. But I was like, I've got my small version. Did it still have like okay. 20 gonna... pieces in it, though? The big one? Or was it small? You know, was it more difficult? Oh. <laughs> It was. I don't. I don't remember. I, I think you could buy a clean version or like the blood stain nice. version. I think they had that option. But I, I was cool with my miniature version because I'm never gonna put it to. What am I gonna? <laughs> I just want to know that I have it. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, this kid's putting together a puzzle. The mom comes in. Fine. She's furious. She starts just trashing his room. What I have to put up with? You dirty-minded little brat, playing with filth like this, just like your father. You don't watch out. That's who you're going to grow up like. And I can tell you a couple of things about him. Bastard! I'll kill you if I ever find stuff like that in the house again! And threatening him and telling him he's going to grow up like his father, who she says is a bastard. Which I was like, is that like planting the seeds for later? <laughs> and we're supposed to know when Linda Day George starts screaming bastard that you're supposed to put that connection together? I don't know. But this time around, I was like, wait, bastard. I honestly think you might be giving pieces a little too much credit there. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. But they, they do put this smashing of the mirror together with the smashing of the mirror <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Later on. But she goes just searching for more stuff. She gets like a plastic bag to junk it all. Instead, he brings her like an axe and whacks her in the head a few times. And then he saws her up and then goes and hides in the closet. And the police show up with an axe. She says it's his aunt, and and she was trying to get in, and they find Timmy in the closet, and he's asking where's mommy, and so I guess they don't suspect he had anything to do with it because covered it was... in blood, covered in blood. What's what's he telling the cops happened? That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. Where is she? There's a you. There's a sheet of blood over your body. There's no way you don't know about something. <laughs> I, I always love it. Like, how many slashers? Like, here's a slasher trope that I love is like the in the past child with the bright daylight, softly lit opening that something weird happens, and then we go to later, and we're supposed to guess that somebody here is one of those they've kid grown up all messed up. But we go 40 years later, which we can scratch a lot of our students off the who's the killer list with that. Yeah, no uh, time shit. jump. Like everyone you look at in the movie, you're just like, okay, who's in their fifties? Yeah, that's the only people that are suspects. And male. <laughs> and yeah, male, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah, anytime they spend with Kendall, I'm like, look, cops, I know you don't know this. What happened forty years ago? But I do. Stop <laughs> wasting my time. <laughs> So a darkly dressed figure, uh, black coat, black gloves. We'll see later a hat who's modeled after the uh, the shadow, uh, actually. Um, Are you serious? I am very serious. That's exactly... A lot of people thought it was a giallo throw, like, nod, but it's actually modeled off the shadow. I swear to... Okay, here's the thing. I actually picked up on that because it was in the shadow so much. I really felt like, what? Are they molding this guy after the shadow? Like, why would you do that? Who cares? About the shadow. Even in the 70s, who cared about the shadow? <laughs> but By the way, one uh, of the, the screenwriters, John Shadow. No joke. Uh, <laughs> no joke. 
Oh, so he retrieves some of uh, the mother's bloodstained clothes with her picture with a red X on it, and then we meet a girl who wobbles around on a skateboard, and then these two guys carrying a mirror across the street just smashes. <laughs> this it's so random because nothing comes of that scene. Right. I mean, she probably dies, right? I mean. No, she dies very soon. So the killer uh, starts putting the puzzle together, and then she's now studying out in the lawn. Wait, it, hang on. It, Is it the same person? I didn't think that was the same yeah, person. Yeah, same girl. Same girl. I did not put that together at all. I thought they were... Di- First few times I watched this movie, I didn't either. Uh, but this time I was like, yeah, that's definitely I just her. figured it was a woman on a skateboard that was cut to ribbons by mirror movers. Okay. Yeah. Not a scratch, not a scratch. As we see, she has no band-aids. Uh, that might, there's a guy that ch- might be the most ridiculous uh, part of the movie. Uh, there's a guy, speaking uh, ridiculous, uh, chainsawing some hedges, and he comes her over and just chainsaws her head off. So In the afternoon. I don't... Mi- why can't we just start it with this? Right? Think about the mirror gag is. Has that ever happened? That happens in movies a lot. But is that... Ever yeah. happened in real life, like ever. The two guys carrying the glass. Yeah. The guy. It was like, I remember what was it? Uh, Back to the Future, the NES game. Yeah. Marty McFly skateboarding down the street. There were window. There was the window slash mirror guys. You had to maneuver around and not run into them. Paperboy, that game. They had yeah. those people too. It goes up with quicksand. Is something that like I thought would be troublesome when I grew up and had to drive and stuff. <laughs> Got watch out in the big city for those guys. <laughs> Never happened. Yeah. You, th- you thought every day when you'd be leaving your house, there'd just be some guys walking down the street with a mirror, and you had to, whoa! <laughs> and then I, I actually, when I was, uh, like, my freshman year of college, I worked at a place called Contractor's Warehouse. It was like a Lowe's-type place. They're out of business now. But uh, I had to carry, like, a, a big mirror with somebody one time. I was like, uh-oh, better watch. And nothing happened. We were fine. <laughs> it wasn't like we were a magnet to, like, cars and people skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> there was yeah. there was no car chase that went through and knocked over a fruit nope. stand before running through you guys. <laughs> nope, made it. But I did have that thought in my head when I was like lifting. I was like, uh oh, this is that moment when it yep. happens. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we... <laughs> the moment you prepare for as a mirror mover. Right. <laughs> I've been been studying my whole life playing video games for this moment. <laughs> So, uh, Lieutenant Bracken, played by Christopher George, and Sergeant Holden uh, meet with the school's dean. Uh, some kids pass a joint in the hallway during this and talk about fucking on a waterbed. Have you heard the latest? They've just installed a waterbed in the training room. Have you ever been laid on a waterbed? The most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. <laughs> yeah? I mean, I have not tried it, but I this line, I, I think that line, you can tell that this isn't an, I don't know, there's just something about it that strikes me as not something someone would say in an American movie. Like, I was like, oh, that's very liberating. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Especially at it's this a, time, it, yeah. Yeah. It is uh, not an enjoyable experience. Oh, <laughs> um, really? Doesn't the hype, huh? Doesn't uh, hype, No, huh? you'd think it'd be an adventure. <laughs> It seems like you would be fighting the environment quite a bit. (laughs) It it does seem like the bed would be actively fighting against you. 
It's it, it gets to the point. You just want to go on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just go on the floor. Why did they, they kind of go out of style? That must be why. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I had one for a long time. Uh, not many people know this, but that was a uh, Tom De, uh, Labrie's undoing. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't hump on the beds. It was so we got rid of him. <laughs> so. Uh, the one who said uh, that uh, the waterbed thing goes and flirts with the professor, Professor Brown, and uh, this guy. Um, you mean John Waters? The hottie, the yeah, the hottie professor on campus. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. I something ooh. I wrote down while I was watching this is that this is like horny school. Like, yes, it's like the only subjects are anatomy, sexy dancing, and swimming. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah, and and there are always like people like making out or like yeah. fucking like like outdoors uh, and po- porno skilled tennis. Yeah, horny like, school like that's that's all. <laughs> but it's not like it's played up like ooh sexy. It's like you know anything. It's just like no, this is a college where we all fuck all the time, right? And we learn about how to fuck all the time. Maybe that's what Spain's like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, that's why I knew it was in Boston. No yeah. one was repressed. If you went to this, yeah, if you went to this college, uh, you'd be like, "Oh shit, it's exactly what I thought." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There yes. wasn't so good. There wasn't one mention of Dunkin' Donuts, so I know this wasn't in Boston. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the professor, he goes to the dean's office and gets information from the eavesdropping receptionist. As they call him in, he overhears, just as he's walking in, says, is unmarried and lives with his mother. Oh, hi, Professor Brown. <laughs> Confirmed bachelor oh, is what you're saying. Yeah. The girl that got killed is in his class. He's in charge of, as we mentioned, the anatomy department. Uh, the dean asked to keep this from leaking to the media, and I don't know. It was broad daylight in a park, guys. <laughs> Nobody right? saw, like, someone had to report this. Well, everyone was no... talking, I guess, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's true. So I guess it's a perfect campus to murder people because everyone's too busy. <laughs> I bet uh, I bet this campus reeks. <laughs> Smell like rubber from waterbed. <laughs> The detectives ask uh, some background to Professor Brown about the, the girl, and they think it's possible one of the students did it. And uh, Bracken then says he, he, he wants to leave because they got to go look at the coroner's report. I can tell you, beheading by chainsaw. Like, I don't think you're going to get – she's, like, all interested. Like, we got to look at that coroner report. Like, not finding much, dude. The dean then talks to, okay, Willard, but he keeps calling him Willard. Have you, did you notice that? Willard. Willard. Well, and then later, like, other people are like, Willard. Well, that's that Boston accent. <laughs> that's true. Willard. Uh, he's a big guy, and he wields a chainsaw and watches kids make out on the lawn. Um, Does he ever? Yeah. And this is Bluto from the Popeye movie. Yes. Uh, yes. He 100% is Bluto. Yes. He definitely has that quality, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. The killer uh, then puts more pieces of the puzzle together. We go to the library, and a guy who's named Kendall, gets a note from a girl that says, I want to do it underwater. See you in the pool. So we have people who like to do it over water on a waterbed, and they do it underwater <laughs> in a pool. They're about the aquatic sexual activity here in Boston. You can major in aquatic sexual activity at horny school. So. <laughs> cool. 
Uh, by the way, uh, two places not great to do it. Waterbed and underwater. Just stay out of it. Just <laughs> the shower or nothing. Those are your options <laughs> if you want to be in the water. The girl then goes to the indoor pool, stripping naked, of course. The killer then pops in and uh, gets her with the pool net. And once he reels her in, he just walks over, uh, grabs her. He pulls her out of the pool. He walks over. He just grabs his chainsaw that's sitting there and swings it across the screen. I love the use of the chainsaw in this movie. They act like it's just like a kitchen knife. Mm -hmm. Like they can hide behind his back. Oh, yeah. And, like, just chill and just walk around with and nobody sees her. You can just set it over in the corner. Like, oh, it's... I I got a kick out of that. Just one person would say, why do I smell gasoline or motor oil (laughs) or... Anything that you could tell that there's a chainsaw in the room. Like the sound of a chainsaw? Like the sound of a chainsaw. Because, fun fact, folks, when you use a chainsaw, you know, the motor has to be on. You don't just, it's not like flicking a switch. You're like, ah, it's on, it's on, it's on. This dweeby guy, I never got his name. He's Kendall's friend. He He gives Kendall some news, and then the killer sneaks out of a wardrobe closet with a bag that i'm assuming has the girl's body parts in it and wanders to a big restaurant style refrigerator where there's already a head in a bag inside willard then uh with hedge clippers in hands finds the chainsaw bloodied kendall he sees kendall running away in the pool area and finds the girl's body parts all over the ground and police bust in and arrest him and he puts up a fight until Holden holds him at gunpoint. And I feel like we missed a lot once we get to this. I'm like, wait, what? Was this a sting with Kendall? Like, what? Right? What's happening? Well, it's the one time the police are effective at all in this movie because yeah. you know, with the with the uh, when the girl gets killed in the pool that I think there's that scene afterwards where the anatomy professor's there and they go, Professor, what do you think could have done this? And it's like, lop your fucking limbs off, man. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> Like, need that corner report. Yes, exactly. Well, not just that, but, like, the guy, I love this, like, I don't want to wait for the coroner. Uh, professor, uh, you go look. You going to write that down oh. in the report? Like, I couldn't, I didn't want to wait for the coroner, so I had someone else decide what happened. I mean, sure, it's a chainsaw, but still, it's but not still. protocol. Hey, Professor, how about you just go and, yeah, touch it with your bare hands. Just rub it for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, you that has no idea about police procedure, why don't you go over there and poke around for a while? Exactly. Uh, and, and also, you don't want to wait for the corner. Are you late for dinner? Where do you have to be, dude? Oh, the action's right here. <laughs> Later, uh, as the scene that's being investigated, they, you know, Brown, they would talk questions. It's noted here that there are certain pieces missing <laughs> from each of the two bodies. Kendall and the dweeb guy are told by an officer they're wanted for questioning. Bracken then tells the dean that it could be a faculty member, and he wants the staff monitored. The questioning of the secretary and the two boys, Kendall and the dweeb, doesn't go anywhere, but they're asked to keep quiet. Keep it out of the media. We don't want to have to pay extra actors to play media people in this movie. (laughs) We then, of course, it's the 80s, so we join an aerobics class that the killer watches from a door window. Uh, one girl leaves to uh, go to the John. The killer follows her. Uh, and that's it with that. Uh, <laughs> then Bracken then takes Kendall to talk to Dr. Jennings, a profiler. And Bracken then taps Mary Riggs, tennis champion, and also undercover cop <laughs> to work with Kendall to help find the killer. Yeah. what? Like, 
Her her career path makes no sense at, at all. <laughs> like what what's she do with it? Like they bring her and like she works with the police. Is she, she like just? But she's a tennis champion. Yes. Like I well, don't. Well, when they when they tap her for the undercover job, she seems to be just kind of sitting around the office doing nothing. Like, oh, yeah. good, a job. And you're like, what do you? Do you just sit there all day? Yeah. And it's it's great that, like, there's no, like, reference to, like, her being important or anything until Kendall, like, pops up. Like, hey, wait a minute. You're Mary whatever. That tennis, you know. Oh, my God. I can't believe it's you. Like, hang on. What? And then you find out she's going to go undercover? Like, hang on. Yeah. Why would you have an incredibly famous person go undercover here? God. She's back in college now. Well, apparently she joined the police force without anybody finding out, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Like, is she part of the police? Is she just, like, she's. She's, she's an eight, she's an 80s, like, CBS drama waiting right? to happen. Like, tennis pro by day, but at night. That's exactly what I thought. It's like, where's her, like, she's what the movie is. Like, a <laughs> tennis pro goes undercover to uncover a murderer. <laughs> Like how is that tonight on on Mary Jo Deuces starring yeah. Andy Dickinson? <laughs> <laughs> yes. but, like how is that night the movie? Like you've got like pieces, great movie, fine, whatever. But then you've also tacked in this other thing. That sounds like that sounds incredible too. Like why are we not watching that? <laughs> it's a, like if it, it sounds like something that Tori Spelling would have made in 1993. <laughs> After denying this whole thing to a concerned woman at the police office, uh, we then see Mary's tennis game in action, and she has a convo afterward with the dean, who's wanting this all wrapped up in a hurry. And Mary drops during this that uh, Willard has been released, and the concerned police station woman then tries to ask the dean about it, and he blows her off. So this woman, within a couple minutes, has shown up in this movie and just been blown off twice. Did either of you catch her name at all? No, but she's supposed to be like this investigative reporter. Sure. From the Boston Globe, I think. Yes. Sylvia. Her name's Sylvia. Sylvia, thank you. But she's just one of many people in this movie where it was like, you don't really know what their name is, but you you, you said it, but it's not like it, you know, is that critical to the plot. But that's like how it is with most of the people in this movie. And not like in a usual slasher way. It's just like, oh, I'm here. Uh, I'll be here for a while, and then I won't. Bye. Well, can, we, can we talk about, is it, if it's not jumping too far ahead, can we talk about the most famous pop-in in this movie? One of the greatest moments in slash movie oh. history. You know, it's coming up. Let, let's get to it. Let's get to it. <laughs> okay, okay. I can't wait. I can't so uh, more pieces get put on the puzzle. Uh, back at the aerobics slash dance studio, the girl who had to go the John scenes ago is now practicing all on her own. As the killer watches, she finishes, gets dressed. She gets spooked as she leave. she's leaving, and then it begins appropriately storming outside. But then she's confronted by whoever she is waiting on the elevator with, uh, who happens to be the killer, but she's fine with it. And then he's nonchalantly holding the chainsaw behind the back. Chops off her arm as we cut to Kendall doing something to his motorcycle and the police rushing to the rescue. They find a woman armless and dead in the elevator. Oh, no, she's not dead. She's apparently still alive. But there's a doctor on the scene that says she, he doesn't like her chances. And uh, She's never heard from again. Scene, yes. 
During the police inquiry, Professor Brown shows up randomly, and Bracken says, I'll be talking to you later. And then the dean shows up as well. So I was like, oh, which one did it? My money's on the dean. Uh, Bracken puts Kendall in charge of making sure Mary is safe and charges Holden to do a full background check on every member of the staff using the entire department's budget. That's the question that I ask myself a lot watching this movie. Why is Kendall given so much responsibility? Yes. He's yeah. just some college kid. Why are they just like, hey, yeah. can you uh, can you handle some pretty significant parts of this murder investigation? It's like, why? Why? They give him more responsibility than Mary, the tennis pro undercover yes. super cop. Yes, they do. Like, that's her job. Well, she's a woman, so, you know. Yeah. <sighs> right. Yeah. But uh, he goes from student to star investigator. Use the entire budget no. if you have to. I'm like, whoa, what about my Christmas bonus? No, 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 better yet, he goes from suspect to lead investigator. Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. And they keep being like, oh, yep. Kendall, you're not supposed to see this. But oh, well. And you're like, what? Why <laughs> this guy? <laughs> the cops tell him, uh, keep an eye on Mary. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on, so we can't be everywhere. So, you know, just keep your eye on things around campus. Like, wait a minute, What? Yeah, no. Well, the suspect like 15 minutes ago in the movie. He still is because after that they do this funniest thing. After this whole scene with this girl gets carried off and he's like, ah, I want to talk to you and you and Kendall go do that. They show lightning strike and there's like a complete suspect shot. Oh yeah. Of everyone at the scene and it I, it was like the Avengers of pieces something. <laughs> yeah. Suspects. I. I that awesome. They all have the look on their. Oh. I was, oh, I laughed pretty It's the good. most, like, Agatha Christie-ish part in the movie, because this, you know, yes. it's got its murder mystery elements. It's not a straight slasher. Like, it's an extremely dumb murder mystery, but it is a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. Hey, it, 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 it honestly, and it is a better murder mystery than Friday the 13th. <laughs> because In the murder mystery aspect, because I guess you can put clues together and find out the killer. They don't just show up and go, hey... It was me the whole time. Who are you? True. Right. 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 We have we have we have talked on the show about how Friday the Thirteenth. Both time they did the murder mystery aspect, it was like, huh, there's no way I could have got that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm not saying Pieces is a better movie. I'm saying when it comes to the better murder, the murder mystery aspect, like the Riddler gives better clues to solve his stuff, and this crap's impossible. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the movie definitely has a lot of red herrings in it, but I don't know if there's any actual yeah. clues. Like, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but... Yeah, right, no, yeah, right. it is more... Well, I mean, we we have the clues of... SBO. The character is at least a red herring. How's that? Okay. Well, yeah, well, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we know that it's a, a white guy in his 50s. That's what we know. So that really limits the pool as to who can the murderer can be. We'll get to it when we get to the end, I guess. We'll we'll say that. Kendall, he is uh, with some girl who uh, the woman is apparently loud in the sack, which Kendall doesn't like. And then he notices Mary investigating outside and leaves. Yeah, he just kind of leaves. <laughs> he just leaves this girl. Well, well, the girl begs him to stay. She goes, I'll control myself, Kendall, if we do it again. Come back to bed, huh? Hey, now, why are you getting dressed? Oh, honey, where are you going? What if you gagged me, huh? I wouldn't make any noise then. 
I want to take note. She had a Friday the Thirteenth poster. <laughs> sure did. How good is Kendall? I mean, how how great is? Hey, we he? saw his way. We, we saw his wiener for a second. Did, That's how good he is. They were tell. confident enough to show it on film. Another way you can tell it's not American movie. <laughs> oh yeah, we got it a bed. Uh, it's like oh, there's you know something uh, something for the ladies or whoever's in the dudes, whatever. A little butt, okay. Like oh no, it's his dong, full dong. Full dong. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do that over here in America. No. Nope. <laughs> I heard that was the uh, alternate title for this film. <laughs> we don't do that in, in America? No, full dong. <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mary, Mary wanders in the dark with a flashlight as we get shots uh, that lead us to know the killer's around uh, with the chainsaw in hand, and then Mary gets... Goes around a corner and gets attacked by some dude during karate. <laughs> she winds up kicking him in the nuts just as Kendall arrives on his dirt bike. And we then find out that... Hey, Miss Riggs! Kendall! What happened here? Well, he jumped me! There he is! <laughs> oh, hey, it's my kung fu professor. What's the story, child? Oh... I am out jogging, and next thing I know, I am on ground. <laughs> Something I eat. <laughs> Bad chop suey. So long. Take it easy. The accent's pretty offensive. This is the part I was talking about earlier. This is just yes. the most... This is one of those... Like, I was talking about how the movie seems beamed from space. This is absolutely the moment for that, because it's just some dude just pops out of nowhere, and, oh, it's my kung fu professor. Everyone's like, okay. Bye. This that scene kills when people watch it in the theater. Oh. I've never seen this in the theater, but I've heard that that's like a scene that kills. Do you know who he is? <laughs> and I didn't find this out till today. No, he's Bruce Lee, with one Not E. Sure. One of the one of the many like replica Bruce Lee guys yeah. from back in the day. And uh, the one of the producers or writers on the film was doing a lot of kung fu movies at the time and wanted to, like they liked him wanted to try to break out so they just randomly added <laughs> this to the movie just we're shooting this today sorry it's just so jarring that there's this murder mystery going on and then in the middle of your movie out of nowhere a woman is nearly assaulted by kung fu for some reason like what is happening and it's not like it was like so dark you couldn't tell like you're not the murderer. You're just some lady walking around. And he's still, like, you know, like, kung fuing on her. Like, why? They fight for a while, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not one of those things where he's like, he starts, like, this, you know, swipe. is like, oops, yeah, you know, I got a hair trigger on the, on these weapons. My, my, my hand's here. Ooh, ooh. No, it's just, he just keeps swatting at her. And she's, like, <laughs> like covering herself up. Like, it's, it's over, dude. You won. Leave her alone. So, hey, Bruce Lee, we're gonna have you. Uh, we're gonna sell this movie, The Americans. Uh, be a good breakout for you. How do you feel about uh, beating up a woman <laughs> that's just walking around a corner? Look real oh good for God. you. But that's why I'm Bruce Lee with one E. All right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't. He doesn't think. He just reacts. He he doesn't have time for that other E. I guess. <laughs> Exactly. He slowly slows him down. <laughs> That's right. By the way, it's a good thing Kendall happened to look out, out the window after humping to see that yeah. Mary left. Just Mary out wandering with the flashlight. I'm going to find something, right? Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh, I've had enough of listening to you. I'm going to go look out the window. Hey, there's Mary. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah, later, baby. I'm, I'm fascinated with the fact that Kendall has a dirt bike. 
where there seems like nowhere he would be that would be useful in boston (laughs) in boston or spain He's like, why they? What what choices is this? He has a dirt bike. I just, I don't know why, but I'm the, just thinking, like, they couldn't just got like a regular. Is that just somebody had it to borrow and they could put it in the movie? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, every time I'm in Boston, I, I'm running up and down the streets on, on the dirt streets of Boston on my dirt bike, a little motocross. Why not? Mary hops on that dirt bike with Kendall, as the inquisitive woman we see is also wandering in the dark. Sylvia, right? And she wanders into a building, which happens to be the one where the killer has been hanging out and putting the puzzle together. And it also has a a waterbed in the room, which the killer attacks the woman with a knife. He stabs her on the waterbed, and he stabs the bed at the same time, too. And you know who uh, knows a little bit about stabbing the bed, waterbed, Colin? Who's that? Tom Labrie. Hi, Tom Labrie for Labrie's Waterbed Warehouse. All night movies and some easy conversation. This time I want to talk to the single girls, which I always enjoy. Maybe you're going through a divorce or just happen to like the free life. If you're thinking about a waterbed, come see us because we have beds for all budgets. And one of the best things that's happened in this country in recent years is a much better credit system. Now there's no discrimination because of sex or marital status. If your credit is good, you can get terms just like anybody else. And at Labrie's Waterbed Warehouse, we like to say, if you need help, it's there, and it's fair. I also think you'll enjoy our showroom. It's one of the things we're very proud of. We think it's one of the most beautiful displays in the country. So, girls, there have been a lot of good changes in the last few years. And if you're thinking about making a change in your lifestyle, come see us, and we'll talk about it. You're watching Night Comfort, brought to you by LaBree's Waterbeds. He also stabs her in the back of the head which okay so the front of this looks awesome right, right. Mm-hmm. knife through that but like you clearly see the knife bend on the back of her head when he like hits her yeah like, like this uh... a, it's kind of the typical thing in this movie is that it's this weird combination of utterly ridiculous and kind of disturbing mm-hmm. In yeah. some ways, this scene, like when he's stabbing the bed, it's just so goofy. But then when he puts the knife and it goes through her mouth, it's so it's like, ew. <laughs> yeah. And like she's like struggling, like, you know, in this waterbed that's just nothing but blood and water and just like flopping around in it and trying to get away. Like, nuts. Genuinely a scary thing that's happening. Yeah. But like every but all the all the circumstances are so ridiculous around it. I was thinking, what a jerk the guy in the killer costume because they show the scene, which I mentioned, the knife bends, but, like, you're supposed to stop before that happens. Like, he, like, followed through, bent the knife, and, like, punched her in the back of the head doing that. Like, that's, I mean, it, it bent, but that probably hurt. I mean, if, you, if you're going to kill someone, be nice about it. Come on, guys. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. Uh, so, uh, Kennel drops Mary off at home and tries to get her... Uh, to let him come in, and uh, this scene actually was originally uh, there's supposed to be the Kendall Mary sex scene, but uh, Linda Day George said uh, no. <laughs> really? Wow. Yep. Only one yep. to so, Kendall's charm. Uh, he then turns around and is spooked by his dork friend in a mask who goes eh, Casanova and walks off. <laughs> Casanova!
Oh, like, okay. Yeah. What? Um. How long was he standing there? <laughs> it... How far did he follow them? Right. Because it's not like Mary like lives in the dorms. She's a grown woman. So yeah. what? He's like, I got a great idea. Like, he'd have to carry the mask with him the entire time. What if Kendall goes in with Mary? Like, <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's like, ah, oh, dang it, they did hump. Ah, I thought he was gonna miss. <laughs> <laughs> What? Well, like, I imagine if he had gone in, he would have just waited out there all night. You know, as long as yeah. it takes, right? That's right. Gotta sell it. Gotta sell it. <laughs> he just opens the door. He's sleeping on the mat like a little doggy. Turns over and goes Casanova, and then just goes back to sleep. You know, we need like we need to make like like gifts of people like from other movies turning around and then seeing that guy <laughs> and him going Casanova and walking off. So you're saying the uh, animal cracker scene from Armageddon and then that guy? Is that what we're talking about here? Yes. If they turn around, if they turn around, we'll do it. The killer then puts more pieces of the puzzle together, and we see recently the recently killed woman's body hanging in the freezer. Hasn't sliced her up yet. Uh, So uh, a girl finishes some tennis practice and then goes to the shower. Some loud music begins playing across the courts and such, which... I think I knew it, but this time around I didn't realize it was someone playing a tape. I thought it was like the score got weird for some reason. And or, it wouldn't um, stop. <laughs> yeah. So the killer comes in, revs his chainsaw, chases her through the rock locker room as Mary and Kendall chat outside as they head to the courts to play tennis. This girl hides in a in the locker room, uh shower like a lock there's like a a wooden door that leads to a shower, which is a bizarre choice. The killer saws through the door and she pees her pants. Yeah. During yeah. this, which apparently was real, and they left. Yeah, I found that moment really. Yeah, I'm not surprised it's real, honestly, because that moment is it's like it's really kind of like violating. It's a really like weird, like, gruesome. I don't know. It's re- it's a disturbing moment. Yeah, apparently, like they. I mean, it was re- like the chainsaw action, like was like really close, and she was like, even though they claimed safe, like she was scared and. So- Peter Pants and left it. They left it. So they zoomed in on her crotch just like, just in case? Like, because it was right up on her crotch. Well, I mean, they might have saw it and then moved and then cut it in a different way. They claim that that is actual, actually happened. Uh, Um, Terror piss, I believe is the technical term for it. Terror piss. You're telling me Um, that the set of pieces might not have been the the friendliest work environment. (laughs) No. <laughs> you, mean, you mean the place that used actual blood and <laughs> pig parts? Hard for life in any form. <laughs> Speaking of those pig parts, he slices her through hey. the waist, cuts her in half. Willard then shows up exiting the locker room area, and uh, he's just too big to be the killer, guys. <laughs> I know. With Willard, you show me this tall, lanky guy. I mean, this isn't Hackle Lantern. Yeah. It was Hackle Lantern. It's like, that doesn't match. Right. Or the, clear, the killer they, was clearly a man, but then when it was real, it was actually a woman or something, right? <laughs> like two feet right. shorter. They ask him about uh, the music, and he reluctantly says it's probably just a test, but he'll look into it. Willard then takes Mary to turn off the music. Kendall goes into the locker room. Willard shuts the music off, finds some keys. Kendall then reports about the body he found. Mary finds the upper half of the body. And then Mary has her bastard scene. It's beautiful. While we were out here fumbling with that music, the lousy bastard was in there killing her! Bastard! Bastard! 
Do you think that was in the script, or do you think that was on set? Do you think after they're like, oh man, we're we're making something really special here. <laughs> Linda's given it. I mean, she just she left it all there. I mean, in every. Frame. I mean, this movie's called Pieces, but it should be called Bastard. 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 You know what probably happened? What? She probably said it the first time, and since you know it's a dub, you don't hear again. Oh yeah. You're absolutely right. Try it again, Linda. One more time. And then it just did the whole thing. Oh, uh, no, you're right. That, oh. There's no way that wasn't what happened. I could have. I mean, it just looked. It's so... Kendall just stands the whole time I, I, looking at her like, is it... No, we're... Okay, you got it all out of your... No, we're still going. Okay. Thank them for it, though, I think. That... Bracken then pressures holding the find him a lead. Mary then finds Professor Brown, who she asks to accompany her as she walks around. He tells her he's used to dead bodies and then uh, talks about campus politics and that he's a bit at odds with the dean. As he wanders off, Kendall shows up. Kendall then goes to help Holden with file research because, you know, ace college student yeah, Kendall. Yeah, again, dirt. Uh, definitely showing you know all of those police files. Because he's still a suspect. He's, sure. He's mm. another he's another CBS drama college student, dirt bike extraordinaire, and police forensics investigative background research. <laughs> yep. I'd like to point out that in the previous scene, he ran out of a crime scene with his hand covered in blood. Yep. Yeah. He saw a woman cut in half, laying on the floor, blood everywhere. He said, "You know what? I'm going to do. Stick my hand in it." Yep. <sighs> Yep. What? That's what they've got going. I mean, that's who you want helping your investigation. Hey, that's tonight on Kendall P I H D. He's not afraid, afraid to get his hands dirty. Mary goes to visit the dean at his place, which I think is—I don't think it's like in a, a fancy like professor apartment. Like it's like a mansion, right? Is that what? Although she goes up the stairs to knock on a door, I. I don't understand this building. I don't understand a lot of the buildings in this movie. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like, there is no internal logic to, like, how this school is laid out at all. Like, it doesn't seem to have been shot in the same place for a lot of it. Katie, let me ask you this question. How familiar are you with Boston architecture? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been to Boston. I slept in a dorm at Harvard once for a night. That's it. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, I got nothing to, i got nothing i, I can't i can't, all right, I can't all right, all right. back to the I'll show go. back to the show uh, not boston if that's what you mean is i'm pretty sure it's not boston <laughs> yeah. go on <laughs> blowing your mind i know mary and the dean have some coffee and we see the dean put droplets of something in hers he gets freaked out by the hot water going off and She's very inquisitive with him about Professor Brown. We then check in with Holden and Kendall as they scarf down some Wendy's. Americans love Wendy's. Make sure you put it in there. Wendy's, proud sponsor of Peace. Oh, I wish. Oh, my God. How amazing would that be? Yeah. Be sure to put together our wonderful spicy nugs. And uh, Was yeah. it weird for either of you to see the Wendy's stuff in this movie? Oh, yeah. It was jarring. Yeah. It was like, what? Wendy's? Yeah. It is like the one thing anchoring this movie to our reality is the Wendy's. It, it, yeah, it, <laughs> it's like, wait, this might be Boston. Like <laughs> <laughs> and it's this like screaming yellow cup too, so it's not like yeah. you can just like overlook it. Like it's the brightest thing on the fucking screen. 
It's weird. Well, like, one, you, you recognize Wendy's, and then you have, like, nostalgia Wendy's of, like, oh, I remember when it used to look like that. Or, yeah. You know, it's, uh, but, it's, yeah, it's weird. If it would have been, like, if it was McDonald's, would you just kind of be like, okay? But, like, the fact that it's not, like, the popular one, it's, yeah, like, Wendy's. Yeah, I do think so. Like, if it had been Arby's, it would have had the same effect as Wendy's, where you're like, whoa. Wendy's was kind of a Midwestern thing. Is it? I think it, it back then? It or comes from Columbus, Ohio, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, like, at that point, I don't know, like, what the reach of it is. I Had it made it all the way yet? Yes. Yeah, hmm. I'm not, I'm not a... Uh, Wendy's historian, but I, I think it's I think it's pretty safe to assume it's probably out there. I don't know. I'd like to think that they flew Dave Thomas out to check out the set of pieces back in. God, I would love that. Oh, nice little movie, right? Dave Thomas. Just, no. But there's, there's this one scene in Wendy's, and Dave Thomas just gives them like a frosty. <laughs> yes. Uh... Kendall has discovered one of the staff has changed their name, and it's like they're breaking the story. Uh, they confirm something disturbing and rush out. Meanwhile, Mary's told that Professor Brown is a homosexual, and he, uh, Brown, is upset by that and almost tried to kill the dean once, but uh-oh. Mary then becomes paralyzed by the drug in her coffee. Bracken is then informed by a telex a big break in the college case and leaves immediately. And then, perfect timing, Kendall and Holden show up just as Bracken rolls in. The dean gets a large knife out with his black gloves. Uh, now on, and he approaches Mary. And the heroes flock up the stairs of the mansion. And uh, before they bust in the room, they want Kendall to stay out. But they're like, all right, kid, come on in with us. <laughs> yeah, Kendall. I can't believe that. Like, first of all, I can't believe that there's only two officers there. Right. Secondly, why is the kid there at all? No, no. Yeah. He's gonna be police chief in like a week. <laughs> oh yeah. Is this some kind of Doogie Hauser situation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I might trust Doogie more <laughs> than Kendall. Doogie at least finished. Yeah, right. That's true. But, but here, so. here's the thing. But here's the thing. Kendall fucks. Kendall fucks. Yes, he does. <laughs> the heroes flock up the stairs of the mansion and bust into the room shooting the door lock because that that's the trick in movies Urgh. and they find mary on the couch who's trying her best to signal that the dean is behind the drapes but they don't notice the cop leave kendall because they trust him fully with the the law now and uh <laughs> yeah don't they say like hey uh watch her see what's wrong with her like he's a doctor now too yeah, we have to go radio this in. Can't one of you just go radio it in? Like, you both have to go? Yeah, sure. Like, you always get it wrong, Bracken. You, I need to be back. Yeah. yeah. You always tell it wrong. Yeah, that's fine. Let's uh, let's leave this paralyzed woman here with this uh, student. Sure. Yeah. He's no longer a suspect, but he's still a student, for God's <laughs> sakes. Kendall then uh, forces her to stand up and begins walking her. As the dean pops out and attacks him, and he drops Mary flat on the ground and gets into a scuffle. And the dean's about to stab Kendall, but Bracken, dude, this badass, walks in and just casually shoots the dude in the head. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, shit. Boom. Yeah, he is very like, oh. <clears throat> oh, okay. <laughs> he almost wasn't looking. Like, it was that <laughs> casual. Like, he almost wasn't looking at him. Like, he looks up and like, knock it off. <laughs> Dang. Doesn't even have to look up. <laughs> Holden lays Mary on the couch, 
Uh, Bracken says that they need to start uh, tearing this place apart because that's what you do, I guess. Um, just like, you know, throwback to uh, the opening of the movie uh, when the killer's room was torn apart by his mother after finding one little piece of evidence of him liking nude women. I think they missed a real opportunity to say, let's turn, let's tear this place to pieces. Why? Come oh. on. Come on. Come on, John Shadow. You should do better. And after the investigation, they'd find it was exactly what they thought it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holden covers uh, the Dean's body with a blanket. Mary comes to a bit. Holden shows Kendall the jigsaw puzzle, and he uh, pushes Kendall to join the force. Fun, huh, kid? <laughs> and as he does this, Holden leans on the bookcase that spins around, and there's a full-on sewn-together woman of all the pieces of body parts that from earlier in the movie and it falls on Kendall and flips him out and we cut to later when Kendall's okay and he's like yeah I'll be a cop now and here we go as they go to leave Kendall grabs his jacket the pieces body reaches out scratches down his crotch and grabs it and rips it off and that's the end of the movie and it's gratuitous it shoots Blood, guts, <sighs> ripping a penis off. And that's got to be one of the best endings to a movie we've ever had on the show. I mean, I'll say this. that That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Like, like yeah. the, the fingers. It's like Freddy Krueger did it. You know, there's like these dashes yeah. on his crotch. Yeah. No, like she reaches up and I, you can visibly see like, like each ball like burst pretty much. And, it, and it's so, the whole thing. It's so unnecessary. Like, like the movie's over. Like, like, all right. Like, I think the body falling on him. Like, that. Hey, that's scary enough. That's the ending of our movie. But no. Like, how? So this body can like move now. Like, I don't know. Every slasher movie has to have the killer like pop back up one more time. And I mean, crotch trauma is definitely a creative way to do it. <laughs> we found out the dean could create life. <laughs> is that what we're right? But just chose to hang her in behind a bookcase? Or what? Like, zombies now? Like, is that the killer for Pieces 2? Or I, I don't yeah. think there was a Pieces 2. There was no killer. There was no Pieces Aww. 2. There, there was apparently a script that was um, bought or put into the Writers Guild around 1988 called Pieces 2 that was a sequel to this, but nothing ever it is it possible this is a prequel to one of the 800 Italian zombie movies? Mm. I don't know. Huh? At least one of them is set in Boston, I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got, yeah, Boston. All right. How much crotch trauma are in those other movies? Because I think that's really the telling points. <laughs> I don't know. This is the, the crotch trauma to end all crotch traumas. I don't it, know. Because it ends them. It is the most graphic ripping part of a crotch I think I've seen. And I've seen a lot, I'll tell you. But it's like it ends the movie. Like, like short of like the body, like looking into the camera and saying you're in pieces or something like that. Yeah, right. It's the oh, only God. way. It's the I only way it could be better. It's like the corpse just sat up and went. It's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> and then I crawled back down, dead. Uh, yeah, and the funny thing is, the ending was not exactly what I thought it was. 
Like that. Right. They, they led me. They led me astray. They were like, you know yeah. what? Red herring. I don't know what I think the ending is. So. <laughs> you know, the only way I could imagine a crotch trauma like topping this, like, is like if like. Rambo kicked a guy in the nuts, <laughs> shot him in the nuts with an exploding arrow, and then one of the balls, like, flew, and he grabbed it in his hand and squished it. Even that might not live up to the end of pieces. It, I think the surprise factor really is part of it. And um, yeah. I was kind of alluding to this earlier, but I really don't think that you could call that it was the Dean because it is, like, that's a huge curveball, too. They don't set it up at all. They just show you poor Willard, who seems like an okay guy. Well, the dean in a couple scenes is trying to rush the investigation. That's true. And then he's also trying to, like, put out there about the prof- uh, professor a couple times. Because remember, he's like, oh, his, he uh, lived with his mother alone or something like they single and lives with his mother or something like Like, he's trying to pin it on someone else and also wants the investigation rush. So I'm like, it's kind of there for him. But they, they definitely want you to think it's Willard. They want you to think it's the professor mm-hmm. and Kendall. I, yeah. <laughs> or they, they could have pulled a scream, all three of them. All yeah. three. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it got me, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm just an idiot. <laughs> like the- no, it got me. Like, I couldn't remember. Like, every time I, like, there are times where I watch this movie and I don't remember who did it. I'm like, was it that Dean or was it? I get that because it is like such just a bu- just it's such chaos that you can be like, wait, what? Is it? Wait, did I remember that wrong? Like, yeah, you... when the uh, what is this psychologist or something like that that interviewed uh, Kendall? Like when he saw that, that doctor show up, I thought like, oh, he's probably the killer because I'm just so used to seeing stuff where the killer is someone that you only see for 10 seconds. And I thought that's who it was for a while. That shows up, like, after, like, one of the initial murders. Like, he's not one of your... Right. Yeah, I... It's like, hey, I'm Tony. I'm uh, here to, I don't know, repair your shoes or something. I'm not a killer. <laughs> then he's definitely the killer. Yeah, usually. <laughs> right? Yeah. Despite the tagline, it is not exactly what you think it is. Because if you went into... If you had only seen, like, re- American slasher movies... Can you imagine going just going to the theater and seeing it <laughs> randomly? You'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I exact and and retroactively like seeing it back in like '82. I'm sure you'd be like, "God, what a piece of garbage!" Right. Retroactively, this thing is like infinitely watchable compared to like a lot of the probably oh, yeah. more well thought of slashers of then, just because. It went bonkers. Like it couldn't have been made by humans. Uh, like the strangeness, the the gore above all else. Mm-hmm. Like just that mentality that that got you like horrid reviews and fans didn't like it back then. Makes has made them last longer than yeah. <laughs> a lot of his brethren. It's it's crazy. Yeah. But. Sometimes what the fuck is is better than you know a competent but boring narrative. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's like oh well. That one's got some, I mean, it's not a good movie. There's a couple good stock moments that are enjoyable. Pieces is like, oh, my gosh. Right. Like, well, I'm not going to be scared, but holy crap. Right, exactly, yeah. And, you know, like, um, it's definitely not boring. <laughs> and I, I, personally, I personally think that that's really the only kind of bad movie is when a movie is trying to be suspenseful or scary or, mm-hmm. you know, 
something and it just utterly fails at it and it ends up being a boring slog that to me is a bad movie or painful painfully average right. like pieces takes chances mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's the thing you could say about like or it was it had the it was not afraid to do whatever came to mind yeah i mean do you set. think that they were just like on a lot of drugs and just being like well, yeah let's do that that sounds great like <laughs> i I think it's just like every Italian just... filmmaker is like, yes, put it in the film. Great. Wonderful. Go. Yeah. This is just like, well, I think this is what Americans like because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them were selling to the market. Like, that's what they wanted. They were like, well, we'll shoot our movie, dub it, and try to this. I think this is what the Americans like. And it's just I – mean, it's a, it's a nice, uh, I guess, thesis on what the Spanish people thought Americans liked in slasher movies. <laughs> I think some professors. That's what that's what the people. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. I I think we we need to talk about the tennis scene. Um, okay. What the fuck? Why was this? <laughs> so the scene is just like what the the shittiest tennis court they could find, and this woman's supposed to be a professional player. So you, just all everything about this scene makes me sad. <laughs> Because well, it's supposed to be this n- big deal, n- but, you know, she's on this she's playing shitty tennis in this shitty little court. And then it is just such a, like a, it's comedic, you know, to see everyone's head go back and forth to watch, like, the tennis match. And it goes on for a while, doesn't it? They had to hire a tennis instructor because they thought they could just get away with basic stuff. And none of them had ever played tennis <laughs> before and couldn't, couldn't even, yeah. like, hit a ball. So they they had to just, like... Get a, an instructor that could just get them to the point of like mm. batting the ball back and forth. You know what's easier to do? Um, don't do the scene. It doesn't add anything to the movie. <laughs> Make her the world champion walking pro. <laughs> yeah, right. There's yeah. No, there's no shortage of things that she could have done other than be the tennis pro. She's really good at fitness walking. She's she excels at lacrosse. There's oh. no shortage of things they could do with her. Yeah, I mean, you can par- apparently major in aerobics at this school, so, like, there you go. That's Make right. her an aerobics professor. Exactly! There's a room full of people that can dance. Any one of those people could have been there. Could have been her! It could have been... It could have been this actress. She probably could have... I mean, they had to have a choreographer anyway for that, you know, class. Just use that person to make her dance. Come on, pieces! <laughs> Hi, Hi, what's going on? <laughs> You've been studying two hours of European well, history. I'm going to the pool. Oh, there's our favorite professor. Oh, Shh. I'd like to make it with him, Susan. Are you kidding? <gasps> the campus class? Oh, oh, oh. oh, that's not nice. I think he's a sugar plum. Down, girl. You know what they say about sugar. Crazy. Uh, yeah, take what care. What do they say about sugar? Yeah. Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are called Summer Cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Stay with your family, which means you're not putting this puzzle together. This was a bad movie. It was exactly what you thought it was. Converted, which means, hey, you'll put the jigsaw puzzle together. It's pretty good. You know, the movie is exactly what you think it was. Or drink of the Kool-Aid, which means you'll put up pieces of bodies together and sew them up. You love the movie so much because it was exactly what you think it is. So, Katie, how do you rate pieces? I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. This movie's like a lobotomy. Like, it is just, (laughs) if you've never done drugs in your life, watch pieces and that just feeling of confusion that comes over you, it's like getting abducted by aliens, it's like being high, it's like being in another dimension, 
this movie, as you said earlier, had, could not be made by humans, and I beam me up pieces. <laughs> Colin. Uh, like Katie said, it's got uh, somewhat surreal surreal look to it, but it's not like how like some other uh, horror movies are made where they use like nightmare logic. Like, what is happening? This is nonsense. I don't know what's going on. This all makes some kind of sense. It's still pretty... There is scary in parts. Like I said, that waterbed part is genuinely disturbing. There is times where, like, uh, like almost, I don't want to say every murder, but so many of the murders in this, it's just like, the, there's just so much buildup to it. It's like, just get on with it. I don't need to see this woman get undressed or get dressed. I don't need to see all of that. I mean, those were really only the weak parts for me was just that buildup up to those things. But, um... Overall, uh, I'm converted on this one. I think it's a really good watch. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, definitely not for people that don't like gory stuff, but why would you watch Pieces if you didn't want something gory? It is exactly what you think it is. Brandon, how do you rate Pieces? I'm going to rate it exactly like you think I would. I'm drinking the Slaughterhouse-flavored Kool-Aid. This is a blast. This is a total party movie i think you could take people who aren't or novice level into bad movies and stuff and cult movies and convert them over to a bigger side of it by showing them something like pieces like they're all like i like this i mean i'm kind of into troll too and i like the room and they're on the lighter end you show them pieces they're going to unlock a whole new uh, wave of things it's just baffling and like you said there's some admirable horror stuff in this movie whether it be gore some like scares some like the look of things setups uh it's got a really kind of cool be cheesy score to it that it's kind of adorable which we didn't talk much about that but it, if you expected like oh what's the stereotypical kind of like sound of like a 42nd street movie horror movie cheapy back then it'd probably be the pieces score and it's got baffling choices like there's like when the woman is in the aerobics and then she goes to pee and we watch the killer watch her go all the way to the bathroom and then nothing happens we have scenes 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 and then we go back to the woman and it's days later in the aerobics thing and then he ends up killing her there i'm like why do we have both because like it's not like we got that woman in any other scenes but here we are a thing with this movie too it's energetic for being a bad movie too. It's always upbeat. It's always keeping you on your toes. I I love pieces. It's exactly what I would think it is and not at the same time. But yeah, I would drink the Kool-Aid on pieces. I, I have a question for both of you. Yes. Do you love pieces to pieces? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we bought the Blu-ray with the puzzle. You're talking to two of the owners of that sold-out limited edition Blu-ray the puzzle, which means we got on it right when it was available. And I never unwrapped the puzzle either. I'm keeping it pristine, so I think that tells you no. Yep. Mine's still in the the packaging. That's why we're doing the packaging. Right? We can't have both of you in the same room. (laughs) If something were to happen to... Something would happen to both of you on how the pieces community could continue. <laughs> right, right. Yes, there are dozens of us. Dozens! <laughs> Fine-looking dog you got there, Jack. Name's Poolan, after my trusty chainsaw. That's Poland. Oh, and to think he's been answering to the wrong name for all these years. On 
the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. We will be entering November, which we have typically deemed our thankful for month, where we select a director, actor, somebody that we will feature for our films. In the past, we've had uh, Neil Breen. That brought him all the way into this. And uh, last year, we had Linnea Quigley. This year, Cullen, we're going to be thankful for Donna Spear, (laughs) which means... We're back to Andy Sedaris territory, so we're going to be two, uh, doing a pair of movies back in the... There's so many names for the series, I don't know, but my goal is to get them all recorded sometimes. So we're going to be doing Guns and Do or Die next month on Call Cinema Cavalcade. So stay tuned for some explosions and stuff. And uh, yeah, thank you for uh, listening to our October. Thank you for listening to Pieces. We appreciate that very much. Katie, thank you for coming back to Cult Cinema Cavalcade again. Yeah, happy Halloween week, everybody. Woo! Yes, pop in pieces after trick-or-treating. Oh. Show your kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Verify them all at the same time. Yes, and uh, both times having you on here have been an absolute blast, and we hope, you know, maybe you come back again. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, in the meantime, where can people find what you're doing? Uh, you can find me on theavclub.com. Uh, it's uh, the week you're listening to this. It's going to be Horrors Week, and I have a few things going up. Something that I think uh, people listening to this podcast might like is we did an inventory, which is sort of our uh, format where, we, you know, we round up different pop culture phenomena. And this year for Halloween, we did movies that will kill you. So it's movies that either were advertised that, you know, you'd get a free coffin if you died watching it, or there was an urban legend surrounding the movie that people had died making it. So not Twilight Zone the movie. (laughs) 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 You said urban legend, not um, actual. Yes. No, I, it's like um like uh, the Blair Witch Project where there was a rumor going around that the. Gotcha. Well, excellent. We look forward to seeing that. And if it's up, we'll put it in the show awesome. notes. That's all for now. A uh, reminder about we'll be at Starbase Indy in November and keep checking back for uh, what we're going to be doing, uh, the movie we'll be doing for that. But uh, we look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to Guns, the trailer that actually trails. Guns. Even in a world of turbocharged, techno-violent weaponry, Eric Estrada is the Jack of Diamonds. Smuggling guns is his profession. This is an instrument of beauty. It is an instrument of death. Murder is his pleasure. This is a simple assassination. I want it clean. Fasten your seatbelts. There's a surprise at every turn. When you're playing for keeps, death is a sure bet. My bet is the Smith & Wesson beats four races. Eric Estrada and six Playboy centerfolds hot on the trail of cold steel. Guns, loaded, cocked, and ready to fire. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. 
Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. make her dance come on pieces (laughs) sorry guys my cat knocked over my phone there a minute ago that was that's what that it was like i'm gonna sound and that was the cat sorry it's gonna be a kitty month oh i love it well i mean cats get really mad when you pay attention to other things and they knock your shit on the floor that's just what they do